0: We're recording this on Monday, August 10th at 8 p.m. So by the time you hear this, all of Dallas's star players will be declared unfit to play. Welcome to the Battle of Alberta podcast, the hockey show that realized, really, either host could do the opening intro. I'm Darren Plett, and with me is Stuart Jones. Hello, Stu. Hey, Darren. That felt odd and... (laughs) Most of my takes on the intro will make the blooper reel, so I guess we understand now why you we get you to do the intro. Yeah, because I'm flawless. Well, just about. So, yeah. Stu, uh, I guess we're here to report on how our teams did, and I guess to cheer you up a little bit, aren't we? Are you doing okay? I
1: have been better.
0: <laughs> That's very honest of you. Yeah, yeah. I think let's, honestly, let's just get it out of the way. Our predictions, um, we didn't do so hot. I mean, we, we did okay, but uh, on the Oilers side of things, didn't go so great.
1: Yeah, so we both thought that the Flames would beat the Jets, which we were right. We thought it would take a little bit longer than it did. Uh, we both thought it was going to go all the way to the fifth game. Uh, they ended up doing it in four, I believe. Probably yes. should have had that up. <laughs> yeah, I figured you knew that. So yeah, so yeah, we were pretty close, just off by a game. That's not bad.
0: And if if the Jets had all their players, there's no telling how many games it would have gone to. <laughs> oh gosh, let's not even bring that up. <laughs> yeah, that's that's all we'll speak of the incident. <laughs> the,
1: incident. <laughs> uh, the Oilers, on the other hand uh we both thought that they would beat the blackhawks i think most people did to be fair even like the real media professionals thought the owners <laughs> would beat the blackhawks. uh i thought it was going to go all the way to game five you thought they were going to do it in four turns out chicago ended up beating edmonton in four games
0: so i've never, I've never been so happy to be so so wrong uh yeah must be nice <laughs>
1: So, uh, which of those do you want to talk about first?
0: Well, let's get let's get the Oilers out of the way, I guess. Just as they remove themselves from the playoffs, we'll uh, remove them from the beginning of this podcast, so to speak.
1: <laughs> let's get what, the Oilers out of the way, so the NHL has
0: said. Yeah. What do you think of their demise? What was the what was the cause of death for the Oilers?
1: Yeah. So one thing we said about this series was that it was going to be, uh, offensively offensive. Yep. <laughs> and, uh, we were definitely not wrong there. So since the NHL returned, we've seen an average of about five and a half goals per game, which is actually pretty much normal for the NHL these days. The, uh, this series had 7.75 goals per game. Oh boy. <laughs> so, uh, Basically, like almost 50% more. I'm not great at math, so don't quote me on that.
0: To be fair, to be fair, sorry to interrupt, but Edmonton fans should really like that because it's basically taking them right back to the 80s. Exactly. Yeah. So it was definitely a fun series for
1: all fans of hockey to watch, though just a little less so for Oilers fans towards the end of it. Um, but basically, I've kind of boiled it down to sort of three different points. So the first one is goaltending. Now, over the whole series, Koskinen and Crawford both had pretty similar stats, about an 889 and an 891 uh, saves percentage. But when you look at it from the first game to the last game, there's suddenly a different story. So from the first game, Crawford and Smith, who was in for the first half roughly, were basically both Swiss cheese in this ten-goal game. <laughs> uh, Crawford ended up with an eight-six-two uh, save percentage that game, but he just kept getting better and better as the series went on. He ended up with a nine-five-six in the last game with only two goals on forty-five shots. Wow. So, definitely uh, an incredible factor there, Koskinen. Did really well when he replaced Smith in game one, 947 for his half of the game there uh, but then sort of reverted to the mean by the time the last game came around eight nine seven save percentage so that's a lot of numbers and I'm not saying that Koskinen was like to blame here but more so on the other side Crawford was a key factor in at the very least making sure the Oilers didn't even get it to game five because he was a uh, huge Uh, in that last game. I don't know if people still do three stars without fans. I don't really pay attention to that anymore, but I would imagine that Crawford had to have a star, if not the top star on that last
0: game. I got to say, I never even noticed if they did the three stars that shows how much of an important institution that is for the game.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I I don't really know if they still do that either or not, but anyway, the second point I noticed is discipline. So, yeah our penalty kill was okay actually pretty good but the thing is it's really hard to come back when you're down a goal and a man so you know even though we're preventing chicago from scoring when they have a power play that's a good pk it's just better if we're not on the pk at all so that we have enough guys to actually you know try and score our own goals instead of just (laughs) preventing them from scoring more goals Now, I can hear the Oilers fans screaming at me right now about refs. Okay, were all the penalties called against the Oilers? Great calls. Of course not. They never are. And, you know, think what you want about conspiracies and (laughs) ref biases and all that crap. But a lot of those penalties were legitimate penalties. And frankly, you know, we... Should have done a bit better job of staying out of the box for some of those, because some of them, a lot of them, we we I say as if I'm on that team, the Oilers have a lot more control over the a lot of those penalties that they were taking. So if they would have stayed out of the box for at least those ones, you know, maybe that would have made some difference as well.
0: I gotta say, I don't really understand the ref bias from any team, but also especially from the Oilers, because they literally have the most marketable superstar you know this incredible talent on their team why would why would there be a conspiracy for the NHL to go out and drag this team down as much as possible and I don't think the refs drag any team down it's their job to be as impartial as possible I don't think refs have vendettas against certain teams, except for that time that Dennis Wideman mugged a ref. That was, <laughs> I think they might've had a vendetta and it was totally justified, but yeah, I just, I just don't see a ref bias coming for Edmonton when all the NHL wants is for Connor McDavid to succeed so they can show him to the world.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I don't buy into any sort of ref bias or anything. They're humans. They're not perfect you know, crap happens, but I expect players and fans alike to, you know, deal with the things that they can't control with a modicum of dignity. (laughs) Oh, that's asking too much. All right. Anyways, moving on. (laughs) My last point is consistency. So I know it's cliche to say, you know, they've got to give 110% for all 60 minutes, and I humbly submit that that never actually happened. <laughs> well, particularly 110%, that's impossible. But even giving 100% for all 60 minutes, no, that never actually happens. But that doesn't mean we couldn't have given more effort more of the time. There were so many times in some of these games, usually the last minute of a period or the last three minutes of a game that they're losing, where you could see the Oilers just absolutely draining the opposition with their presence. And I would think to myself, where the heck was this earlier? It was it was a lot of too little, too late going on. You can't wait until you're down by three with five minutes left to start giving it your all. As Toronto will tell you, that will work once in a while, but overall not a winning strategy. <laughs> <laughs> so, Yeah, goaltending, discipline, consistency. Those were my picks of uh, things that made the difference here, but... You know, there was a lot of things you could pick like, oh, I don't know. Some people might pick the format of the tournament. and Why were we <laughs> even involved? We should have earned our play on the spot by default. But I don't think that really matters. Either we lost to Chicago this early or we lost to the next team a little bit later because we played poorly either way. So wasn't going to change much, I don't think.
0: Yeah, I can't say I fault any of your points the goaltending thing smith and koskinen are definitely not world beaters and i say this as a flames fan who also has two goalies that aren't world beaters but they need a lot more help in front of them like uh the first game smith wandered out of his net and did smith things and the puck ended up in his net and that's that's all on him obviously but i think Mm -hmm. a lot of the goals that i saw were not directly the goalie's fault. You know, shots through screens, tipped up over the shoulder, a lot of weird bouncing pucks past them. They need a lot more help in front of them. Yes, and
1: in all honesty, that's why I didn't focus... uh, Again, I don't think Koskinen really played bad throughout the series, and I didn't really want to bring Smith down because his stats make it look a lot worse. Yes, he did (laughs) Smith things, as you said, and Smith things sometimes go very, very badly. And they, in fact, did, you know, a lot of them weren't his fault, but I totally understand you have to swap him out. And again, not that necessarily the Oilers goaltenders are to blame. I don't think that's the case, but more so that Crawford was uh, a huge difference maker, particularly later in the series.
0: Definitely. Yeah, I I agree with you. And I said when I picked the Oilers to win that it was, you know their their stars were going to be overwhelming for Chicago, and to a point they were. Like McDavid and Dreisaitl got a lot of, a lot of points, but they didn't get enough help behind them. So, um, I guess we'll see over the next season what happens with the Oilers. But that was not a great display on their part. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, let's move on to the Flames because they did win and they looked good, but. Was it a mirage because of a really bad Jets team or did they actually do good? I'm going to, I'm actually going to see, do you have any thoughts on the Flames series before I get going, Stu?
1: Uh, I think I will pretty much let you take it from here.
0: <laughs> All right. <laughs> did, <laughs> Stu, did you watch any
1: flames games? I honest. definitely watched some of the flames games, <laughs> and uh, you know, initial thoughts would be pretty similar to what you seem to be ramping up to is that you know they they won they played okay but was it really a huge challenge
0: yeah so as we know the Jets arguably their two best offensive players Mark Scheifele and Patrick Line, were went down in game one never to return it was definitely nobody's fault absolutely not <laughs> and uh From there on, the Flames kind of just exerted their will over the Jets. The second game, the Flames looked totally listless and brought us all flashbacks of Colorado last year and many other Flames playoff losses. But games three and four, the Flames totally shut them down and did a lot of scoring in the process. And I also have a few points that stood out to me, among others. I realized very late in the series that there were some defensive players on the flames whose names i had almost never heard which in a way it's an old cliche in the nhl if you don't hear your defenseman's names that's a good thing it means they're not screwing up repeatedly um at one point i forgot noah Hannifin even played for the flames and then all of a sudden in like game four he was carrying the puck up the ice and i was like oh who is oh Oh, yeah, Noah Hannafin. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) I forgot about him. So to me, that it's a total eye test with no stats. It's like totally subjective, but I think the defense played really well. Um, The advanced stats do show that the Flames limited a lot of the shots that were taken against them to the outside. And they played a pretty suffocating defensive game. And like I said, I really didn't notice the presence of a lot of them. When I did notice them, it was like a a bad turnover by Gustafson or Forbert making a boneheaded play. But the top four for the Calgary defense, I think, were very good. And that is exactly what they'll need against any other opponent is for their defense to be on absolute lockdown. So that was one reason for their success. Another was... Cam Talbot surprisingly Uh, when this (laughs) when this series started we both have another mutual Flames fan friend and him and I were talking and he said boy I wish they would have gone with Riddick I can't see Cam Talbot going god mode and carrying us through the playoffs and I totally agreed with him I was like yeah I would have gone with Riddick too because he can be bad but he can also be very good for stretches and he's very emotional and fiery and competitive and Cam Talbot's kind of boring Well, we were both terribly wrong for this series. Uh, Cam Talbot, yes, he's a little boring, but he was very boring in a good way. (laughs) He was very calm. His saves were always... They looked like he was bored. He was bored himself. (laughs) Like, we weren't the only ones being bored by this. He was just always in position, and the puck would hit him square in the chest, and it would either bounce somewhere completely harmless like he meant it to go there, or he would cover it up. And at the start, I was like, well, this is worrying because he doesn't look that into it. But as we got going, as the series got going, I was like, oh, no, this is just this is just how good goaltending is. I guess as a Flames fan, I'm not really used to this. It's (laughs) good goaltending supposed to look boring. It's not supposed to look crazy flashy and the goalie diving all over the place. There were a couple of those kind of saves. But for the most part, he was just in the right spots. The puck was hitting him. And it wasn't all that exciting. So good on Cam Talbot for proving us untrusting Flames fans wrong. He was the right choice. The flame, or the, the coaches made the right choice, and he was fun to watch for the reason that he was boring, oddly enough. And my last point was the lucic bennett Dubay line. Now, I didn't look up what game they got put together, but I remember reading in their little training camp that this line had been put together and they looked very good with Bennett at center between Lucic and Dube. And they really showed it through games three and four of the series. And they, I think this line is super important because the Flames second line is very good and they take a lot of the defensive burden. So they aren't scoring a lot, but they're a very solid line and the Flames top line gets kind of polarizing you know people love them because they're the flashy creative line with Gaudreau doing Gaudreau things and monahan slapping pucks into the net and but sometimes they don't show up and they're kind of a lightning rod for the rest of the team so that kind of leaves you know the third line as a line that i think is really important because when the top line isn't producing and the second line is shutting down someone else's big lines, they need someone to pick up the slack. And these three guys really did. And it really showed in the last game as Luch got out there, as we all know, in the opening face-off, had a fight, totally beat down the guy because he's Luch each and he's half of a bear, half of a man. And uh, Sam Bennett at center was just flying around, clocking everybody. And I think that's partially because... Now he's playing on the line with Milan Lucic. Who is going to mess with you if you're on a line with Lucic? Like, if Lucic is on the ice with you, and you're busy burying people along the boards, no one's going to come and touch you because the next set of hands that will reach out from behind you is going to be <laughs> Milan Lucic, and that's not what you want. And the third component of the line is Dylan Dubé, who is he? I think he's got a good set of hands. Like he's got a scorer's instinct. He was leadership material because he was a captain for the world juniors team. He's fast. He's young, and um, he's actually the guy that Lucic credited with basically keeping him in the game of hockey. Lucic said that earlier this year, he was contemplating retirement because it wasn't fun. And then uh, Dubé showed up and Lucic thought, you know what? This kid's given me energy. I like to see new guys. And now they're on a line together. I think the energy of Dubé and Bennett And the kind of protection of Lucic. Yeah, we all know Lucic isn't going to get a lot of goals, even though he had four points in four games the series. But he's just kind of like this, you know, protective shield around these two young players who are just flying around making a difference. So I think that line was a big reason they won the series because it took so much pressure off the other two lines and it looked like they're having fun while they're making such a big difference. So I'm looking for them to hopefully continue that in the next series.
1: Yeah, that makes perfect sense. I think the what you've described of the third line there is like hockey masterclass, you know, roster building. That's like what you want your third line to be, Uh, and that sounds like you know they're clicking super well and uh, doing exactly what a third line is supposed to do for an NHL team. So. Yeah, we'll see if that uh, that continues and helps give that team the shot in the arm to continue.
0: Now it is time for Sellies and Scorns. Uh, Stu, what have you got for me this week?
1: Well, so this week, I'm going to start with uh, my Sellie. This is uh, a pretty goofy Sellie. It's very lighthearted. Um and it's it's kind of a weird one. So, in fact, at one point, I had it as a scorn and just changed it to a cellie without actually Whoa. changing anything of what I said. Very so, versatile. Yeah. So a lot of people might just think this is a scorn. A lot of people might just think I've wasted 80 seconds of their time. But we'll see. <laughs> so the selly is for Patrick Kane. And believe it or not, not for anything he actually did in the series, because why would I celebrate that, right? But the NHL posted a video on Instagram that had Slater Cuckoo of the Chicago Blackhawks showing off that Patrick Kane is on his 80th pair of gloves for the season compared to Cuckoo, who's on his second pair. (laughs) (laughs) Now... I don't know if this was like a joke or, you know, just complete lie of how that numbering system worked, but I've decided to go along with this. So what that means, Kane has played 74 games this season, including the qualifying round. So if we generously estimate six exhibition games, that means a brand new pair of gloves for every single game. So this man's hands must literally be on fire to be going through (laughs) gloves that quickly. But hey, looking at his point total this year and like, I don't know, every other year past since he's been in the league, that's on average more than one point per pair of gloves. So maybe he's actually on to something. In fact, Darren, I've decided that I'm going to replace my hockey gloves after every point I get. (laughs) So two per uh, season? Luckily for my wallet, that means I can keep the same gloves for several
0: years. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. Like... Patrick Kane has basically started his own used gloves economy at this point. (laughs) Apparently.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so that's my Sally. I thought that was kind of fun. That's amazing. Um, I do want to just kind of briefly celebrate though uh, I think it's worth mentioning the whole COVID bubble for the NHL and how they've managed to make all of that work. Number one, it's amazing that they've just pulled off this whole thing in the short amount of time that they have. But number two, over the past two weeks, so we've had this bubble going for about two weeks and they've done over 14,000 tests uh, in total with no positive results.
0: So that's, that's incredible.
1: You know, uh, we can't say the same for all sports leagues at this point in time. (laughs) We won't go into details there, but uh, that's, yeah, that's pretty incredible. So just wanted to briefly shout that out, I guess.
0: Makes you feel proud for hockey. Yeah, I'm actually going to piggyback off that because it leads into one of my cellies. I've got a dual mini cellie here. Ooh. So, uh, my first one will be kind of what you said, only more specific. I have a cellie for the broadcasters and arena staff and all the people that are making this, this whole thing work because I'm an aspiring broadcaster of some type. If you have an idea of what kind of broadcaster I should be, let me know because I have no idea. But When I was watching the games, I usually lend more of an ear to the people calling the games because I find it very interesting. And that's something I want to do potentially with my career. It occurs to me that the broadcasters are calling two or three games a day every day in the bubble. And that's got to be really tough because... Broadcasting isn't exactly a job that you think of as difficult until you really think about it. The strain on your voice, the amount of notes and preparation that goes into it, down to the people in the broadcast trucks who are cooking alive and there all day, and you know, staring at screens, putting together a whole broadcast for us that we expect to be like absolutely perfect. Me included, I'm always caught up in judging the broadcast that we get, but. They're doing an incredible job. They're putting in tons of hours and it must be really difficult and they've done really well. Um, So that's my celly for the people behind the scenes or the people that are talking right into our living rooms that we don't even realize how much work they're putting into this. It's pretty incredible. Uh, And the second part of my mini celly is actually for Milan Lucic. As I said, four points in four games. I was really happy for him seeing him, you know, enjoying the game Playing well, and the best part is he gave us a really fun soundbite that I could not put in the show because he was asked post-game about the fight he had off the face-off in the fourth game.
1: Hey, hey uh, Milan, just wanted to—can you just go through how that fight started? Did you initiate it? Did he initiate it? Uh, was did it start in the warm-up? or
0: How did that come to be? Uh, I was lining up for the draw, and he came over and asked me, and I said. Uh effing rights, let's go, and and that's what happened. It was really lighthearted and fun and uh really it really made me laugh. So shout out to lucic for being a little more candid than a, a, a hockey player normally would be and making me laugh. Um what do you have for a scorn, Stu? Uh my scorn is uh another bit
1: bit sort of a goofy one, but it's kind of fun. The scorn is actually for James Neal.
0: Yes. And-
1: Similarly to Patrick Kane, actually has nothing to do with his performance in the series. Aww. Sorry to disappoint. That's okay. So, many fans may not know that there's been this behind the scenes disagreement amongst NHL players on the same team while on road trips. Essentially, the older generation guys are playing cards on the airplane, right? Uh-huh. While a lot of the younger guys are bringing their gaming rigs, so their Xboxes, oh their PlayStations, all this sort of stuff. Well, if those old guys thought it was bad for like a five game road trip, apparently gaming has completely taken over the bubble. (laughs) So, and you know, understandably too, if you're a gamer and you're going to be essentially locked in a hotel room for anywhere from two weeks to two months, you'll definitely bring all your gear, right? Oh yeah. So what does this have to do with Neil? Well, he's definitely one of the old guys, And being that he's only like a year and day older than me, I'm going to tread carefully here. But (laughs) (laughs) I'm about to read a quote for you from him about the whole gaming situation. Now, to be fair to him, I've only found the quote in print, so I don't know his precise tone, but I'm definitely picking up a bit of a Clint Eastwood get off my lawn sort of vibe (laughs) here.
0: (laughs) I'll uh, give you that fits with James Neal for sure.
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll let you be the judge. So here's the quote. The gaming here, I don't even know what to say. There are guys who've brought every single piece of gaming equipment they own double monitors pc rigs you name it if you took it away they'd be lost all they do is play call of duty or fortnite or whatever for hours it's how they spend their free time since we can't leave the hotel or go into anyone's room except i don't even think they'd want to because that would screw up their gaming and they're all talking no sorry yelling on their mics i can hear them through the walls total insanity
0: (laughs) Hey, yeah, I, I don't think you're reading too much into the tones there, Stu. That sounds pretty bitter.
1: Yeah, so, you know, as the kids say, never yuck someone's yum, Neil. So, and, and hey, the good news for him is he doesn't have to stay there any longer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he can go back home and play solitaire to his heart's content. Here's my scoring. You ready, Stu? I doubt it, but we'll find out. <laughs> My scorn is for people that are claiming the play-in was unfair after they see their team get eliminated. (laughs) I get it, okay? I I would hate it if the Flames got eliminated and didn't get the top overall pick, which was kind of the incentive for being eliminated, if you will. But we said this when we were doing one of our little, you know, during the quarantine episodes. There's no fair way to make the rest of the season happen. Did you want to see any hockey being played? Yes, good. It wasn't going to be fair. There was no perfectly fair way to do this. I challenge anybody to go to like open up OneNote on your computer and try to work out a way that would make like make it fair for everybody. And if you're saying, "Well, just cut the season short," and who is in the playoffs? Well, that that's not fair. You know, there's teams that could go up or down. So there was no right solution i get it especially if you're like an edmonton or toronto fan who have pretty good teams big stars you want to see them in the playoffs no it's not particularly fair but guess what your team still lost that's just that's just how it goes freaking pittsburgh lost and pittsburgh was one of the highest ranked teams in the league um at the at the break so yeah you can say it was unfair, and you might even be right, but that's not going to change anything. The NHL did the best they could. Uh, there's arguably no fairer way to do it, and what happened, happened. And I can already see it now. These are the people that are gonna put the asterisk on winning the cup. But, you know, I guess we can't really solve the amount of complaining people will do. I just wanted to point out that. I think it was as fair as it's going to get. And I'm not just saying that because Calgary made it to the next round and they're probably going to get smacked down by the stars. But yeah, it it kind of irked me to see people immediately pointing to this being unfair.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. And I'm so glad you said that <laughs> because yeah, it's you're, you're right. I, I think you you said very well. Yeah. It probably wasn't fair to some teams Um, but it never was going to be like, there was no way that you could have possibly made it fair. And frankly, I think the way that they did it was fair-ish, but also it was fun. It was fun. You know, I, I, the way that like the NBA's done it, they're doing sort of just a couple of extra regular season games and then sort of looking at the standings from there. But that's, you know, that they could have done that. But an extra basically an extra playoff series? Like, I can't believe hockey fans ever feel the right to complain about that.
0: <laughs> yeah. Again,
1: yeah, it didn't go well for some teams. Uh and you know, with the Oilers, they were basically second in the Pacific and you know, we had to play someone who appeared to be nowhere near a playoff spot, but I guess you know if we were that good and they were that bad, I guess we
0: could have just beat them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that was one option. That's how I feel about Toronto and Columbus. I mean, they were only one spot removed in the standings, but Toronto fans saying, "Oh, we shouldn't have had to play them. If you shouldn't have had to play them, and it should have been so easy." You know, the mighty Maple Leafs should have taken out the Blue Jackets. And I will say to your point about the NBA, that's a really good point because I am a pretty big basketball fan. Right now, my team, the Spurs, is fighting for their playoff life, in air quotes regular season games, uh, in their bubble. And I haven't, I haven't tuned in really to any basketball games. It's been, it's been like ten nonstop days of hockey, morning to night. Why would I ever want to watch the NBA regular season games when I could watch like ten straight days of playoff hockey? It's so much better.
1: Yeah, exactly. I've, I've watched maybe I think one NBA game cause there was no hockey on and it was a repeat. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, they, they almost feel like, like exhibition, like preseason sort of yeah. like just comparatively to what, you know, a playoff series, even though they're not really playoffs to what a real series can do. So yeah, it's, it's way too fun to, try and say, well, there's a better way of doing it. I really didn't think there was. So I'm glad you brought that up. So usually what we do at the end of the show is sort of predict how well our two teams are going to do in the next couple weeks or so. Uh, Well, I can tell you the Oilers are going to do great at golfing. Oh,
0: yeah, nice.
1: Yeah, uh, no. So what we're actually going (laughs) to do is... um, make some predictions on the first round of the playoffs. We did this last year as well. We're just going to quickly run through all the different series and see who we think uh, will
0: come out on top. Uh, so
1: you want to start in the East or the
0: West, Darren? Uh, I think we could start in the East. I'm going to challenge you a bit here, Stu. I, I basically have a sentence written down for each series. I'm going to see, I think if we each give like a, a statement, a one sentence short statement on each series, that'll be pretty cool. Just our first gut instinct. Okay. You you, got, you you think you can handle that?
1: Uh, I've got like two where I've written more than one sentence down, but I've got two where I've written nothing down. So I think I'll manage. <laughs> I'll average it out. That's very
0: similar to me. Yeah. All right. I'll I'll kick it off. Uh, Philadelphia Flyers and Montreal Canadiens. I have Philadelphia winning four to one, and I have written down here Philly looked dominant in round robin but Montreal D can steal one game.
1: Yep. I've got the same Philly in five. Montreal was scrappy against Pittsburgh, but Philly is just way too good right now.
0: Nice. All right. Uh, Tampa Bay Lightning and Columbus Blue Jackets. What do you have? They are repeating the upset. (laughs)
1: Oh, how many games? Uh, I think it's going to go seven this time. Okay, so yes, Columbus is a fragment of what they were last year, but they're still scrappy, and I think still in Tampa's heads, and I think that's going to be the difference maker. Again, I don't think they're going to sweep this time. I think it's going to take all seven, and I'm probably wrong on this, but isn't my version way more fun than reality?
0: Yes, because your version is my reality, Stu. I have written down 4-3 Columbus Blue Jackets. My, my power sentence is, because I want this. That's all I have to say on that. Uh, yep. How about Washington Capitals, New York Islanders?
1: I've got Washington
0: 5. Again, Washington is just too
1: good of a team for the Islanders to really make a huge dent against.
0: Yeah, I have uh, Washington in six because they're still almost as good as they were when they went to the Cup. They haven't changed that much, so I don't know what New York can do to stop that. The Islanders, that is, not the New York that just won the draft lottery a few hours ago. (laughs) Um, Boston Bruins versus Carolina Hurricanes. I'll take this one. I have Carolina winning in seven, even though Boston was a very good regular season team. Uh, In the round-robin, Boston didn't look great, and the Carolina Stars were playing very well. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I've got Carolina beating Boston in six, actually. So Carolina is coming in hot. Yeah, they've had a few days off, and the Rangers weren't exactly a challenge, but they're still pumped. They're scoring. They're ready for action, whereas some people have told me that the bruins played hockey recently but looking at the games i'm not sure i believe it (laughs) they lost all three of their round robin games sure to good teams but the canes aren't exactly easy and so unless boston like really wakes up i don't see it
0: uh moving on to the western conference the vegas golden knights versus the chicago blackhawks what do you think about that one
1: yeah, I'm just going to start with the West and just say spoiler alert, I've got zero upsets here. <laughs> it's going to be I won't say boring in the West, but my predictions are definitely boring. I've got all the same teams that were in the Champions Round Robin playing each other in round 2. So, Vegas over Chicago in 5. Vegas is basically got the scoring power of Edmonton, but like other parts of a hockey team. <laughs> so, Chicago's not going to see what hit them.
0: Yeah, I also have Vegas in five. We have that mind meld thing going on again. Uh, Vegas is just too good on D and have a really good goalie. Actually, two very good goalies, one of which was supplied by Chicago at the trade deadline. So there you go. Uh, Colorado Avalanche versus Arizona Coyotes. Um, I have four nothing for the Avs because I saw them in the playoffs last year and they were terrifying. Their star players are so good and they were all clicking in the round robin when not many teams were. So I think they're going to roll the Coyotes.
1: Yeah, I think they're going to take Arizona. I've said in five, I don't have any sweeps this year, apparently. So, um, yeah, I everything you said, I concur.
0: <laughs> yeah, honestly, I picked a sweep in that one because I also looked through and I was like, oh, I don't have very many sweeps. <laughs> and usually there's one, right? Um, Next up, the St. Louis Blues versus the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, I went, actually, this is my off-the-board one, I went Vancouver in seven, and my power sentence is, cue the Stanley Cup hangover.
1: Yeah, I don't see it. (laughs) I've got St. Louis beating Vancouver. Granted, in six, I think Vancouver's going to put up a fight, but St. Louis still looks just as good as they did. Um, You know, I don't think they're going to make it all the way. Spoiler alert for next episode. But... um, (laughs) I, I do think they're going to beat Vancouver in the first round.
0: That's good. No, it's good that we have different opinions sometimes, too. <laughs> Once in a while. All right. And you can guess the last series. It's the Dallas Stars versus the Calgary Flames. Stu, what do you have? I've got Dallas in six.
1: So sorry, Flames fans, but I will give you a glimmer of hope. This is contingent on Dallas being healthy, but I'm going to dial that glimmer back a little bit even if bishop is out who he was in the past game hudobin ain't gonna make it easy for you either so it's gonna take quite a few injuries or illnesses i guess we don't know which is which (laughs) but uh yeah if the dallas is relatively healthy i i think they're gonna beat the flames though the flames will put up a fight for sure
0: uh putting up so much of a fight that I picked them over the Stars in six games. And honestly, it's just because I'm a Flames fan. <laughs> it's just it's just hope. It really is. And they did look pretty good against Winnipeg, but I'm mostly just hoping that they beat Dallas. And I did, I did read an article by Dom Lucision today, who's the Athletics resident stats wizard. And uh, he was comparing all of the playoff series to see statistically if all the series were done on a spreadsheet, who would win. And Dallas, Calgary was actually the closest one out of all eight series. Statistically, the Stars would uh, beat the Flames, but only by a little bit. So I think this is one that can definitely go either way. The stats back it up, and my hope says the Flames, they could do this. I swear. So please, Flames, for the love of the city of Calgary, just win a playoff series.
1: That is completely fair. Uh, I would like to think that if the Oilers made it, uh, I would be, you know, try to be honest about how I felt their (laughs) round one performance would be, but let's be honest. I would probably say they'd beat anybody, even though I wouldn't think they actually could.
0: (laughs) And this is like, I joke about being hopeful, but this is honesty to a point too, because out of the Western teams, Dallas does scare me the least. They're obviously a good team, but they were only one win ahead of the Flames at the break. And in terms of star power, Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan are very good players, but they never struck me as like super motivated, hard to play against type of players. But that all said, I think these teams mirror each other quite a bit with stars that can crank it up when they want to. Uh, Stout defenses. And I think it's going to be good.
1: Yeah. It's definitely not an unreasonable pick for sure.
0: All right, listeners, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the battle of Alberta podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did make sure to rate us, like us and subscribe to us on whatever podcast app you choose. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with more playoffs to talk about. Hopefully one of our teams keeps going. uh, So we still have, you know, things to talk about, but, uh, Yeah, we'll be back with another episode in a couple of weeks. Thanks again for listening. Bye, everybody.